0: happy monday everybody welcome to trb i'm john thanks for joining us on this episode we hope you are doing well we hope your march is off to a great start and if you are a star wars fan it probably is because the mandalorian's back if you haven't yet head back and check out our first episode of the year for the mando fan show we talked all about chapter 17 of the mandalorian that is uh on your podcast feed and of course our youtube channel and while i have you on that topic youtube.com slash at the resistance broadcast if you haven't yet subscribed to our channel for our video versions of our episodes and a lot of other videos as well including james's bad batch reactions uh we even do some reacting in shorts to a lot of other stuff going on in nerd world pop culture so uh check out our channel and of course subscribe in your preferred podcast apps Uh, and yeah, so this Wednesday, the Mando fan show will be back again, as we'll talk about chapter 18 and we'll be joined by Kevin from toying around as our first guest of the season. So very excited for that. Uh, Lacey James, it is time to talk about star Wars news. And it's sort of like during a streaming, uh, season for a star Wars show we like jumble up our episodes. So we got will of the force in this episode and resistance report. Are you guys ready to tackle this monster? We're right into it. Let's go resistance. Mm-hmm. Report.
1: It's the resistance. Guys, we're going to kick it off right away with the, more details on The Mandalorian Season 3. Now, I know we did The Mando Fan Show on Wednesday, um, but this is news that came out that kind of discusses all of The Mandalorian Season. It was new information that we got each of the directors for each episode. Now, a couple we knew, um, including like Rick Fama, you were doing the first one, and the seventh and the eighth as well. But uh, for Episode 2, we're getting... Rachel Morrison, episode three, Lee Isaac Chung, episode four, Carl Weathers, Uh, episode five, Peter Ramsey, episode six is the Bryce Dallas Howard episode, and then seven and eight again, Rick Famuyiwa. So this is kind of exciting uh, if anybody wants to go and look up these specific people and the other jobs that they've worked on. Um, we even have another story like this coming up later. But uh, I'm going to start with uh, John on this one. What are your thoughts on these directors? Good choice. Are you excited? What what can we pick apart from uh, who has what episode?
0: Well, I feel like Rick Famuyiwa, who has been around for a long time, but I don't think was... Uh necessarily a household name in terms of popularity um has really stepped up and he's doing producing and now he's directing more than a third of this whole season including the bookend of beginning and end and you know just hearing this guy in the gallery uh disney plus gallery for the mandalorian talking about star wars you know you can tell how much he cares about it um how much he understands it and he's obviously very talented so when you mix all those things together it just you know you talk about like protection having this guy at both ends of this season just feels like a really secure feeling and you, when you know John Favreau is behind it all too it just doubles down on that especially for a franchise that has had some rocky waters with productions um over the past 10 years and you can't say that about the Mandalorian they even filmed and successfully finished production during the pandemic for one of their seasons so the Mandalorian is a machine that is uh well-oiled and running well. I I, I also find it interesting that, you know, you have someone like Lee Isaac Chung, who uh, two years ago was nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. And I bet if you asked people, you know, what do you think of Lee Isaac Chung? They would have no idea who you're talking about, like the average movie fan. So the fact that, you know, Favreau's getting these people in the mix for Star Wars, these Academy Award-nominated directors to do an episode of his Space Western, is outstanding and i I don't want to get too i'm not going to get spoilery at all uh if you watch the mando fan show you know the three of us were fortunate enough to watch chapter 18 of this season and we so we saw what rachel morrison was able to bring to the table and i am i don't want to be that guy but i'm pumped for everyone to see what she did with this episode because i think she may have even outdone rick in his first episode so I think, you know, and Bryce Dallas Howard, you know, you don't need to say anything about her. She's proven herself through and through at this point. So I'm very excited for her her episode as she hands it off to Rick to close it out. Carl Weathers is great. Um, not super familiar with Peter Ramsey. I'm sure if I looked him up uh, in more detail, I would. But I think this is a really good lineup and a nice mixture of people. And something that's special about The Mandalorian is, you know, Favreau is a very hands-on showrunner. He's been there you see him in the shots. He's working with the directors. They're all a team. And that's what makes this show, even though there's all these different directors and visions, it still flows really nicely from a visual perspective. and doesn't jar you too much. Um, like if they threw like Tarantino in, in chapter five or something like that in the middle. So I, I think overall um, one, I trust Favreau through and through. He's one of the greatest at this point. I think this is a really, really strong list. And I look forward to seeing the rest of the episodes.
1: Yeah, Lacey, do you do you agree with that? Is there anything that stands out to you specifically?
2: Well, it's exciting to see similar faces coming back between Rick, Carl, and Bryce to see like names that we know are true to the Mandalorian in the sense that they've been through this process a couple times now. They know what the audience is looking for. They know what John Favreau and Dave Filoni are looking for. And they get these characters, especially Rick above everybody else. I think it's just like someone that is fully invested in this. So it's exciting to see those names. I like seeing new names as well because it just gives different points of view and, and experience to the table. Um, I love Peter Ramsey. I think he did an amazing job of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like he was one of the Yep. He was one of the directors that uh, did that movie and so I'm hoping his episode is definitely action packed because as we know Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a lot of like action and it's got this kind of comic book feel and I think he would really shine at that but also it's one of I'm talking about Spider-Man is one of the kind of like most stunning animated features I've ever seen like the whole shot jumping from the top down but he's upside down and it was like that whole segment of like yeah the leap is like one of the most powerful moments i would say animated or not like the idea that you're taking that leap and believing in yourself and taking that moment could really translate into something for the mandalorian or another character in this series um so i'm looking forward to that um i'm happy to see carl weathers being on here again because we know he loves being behind the camera I would probably, if you were to ask him, he'd probably lean towards that now. He's gotten that bug that he really enjoys doing it. And I know, obviously, he has an important character in this series. We've already seen him in the first uh, chapter 17, but I feel like giving him more opportunity to really flex behind the camera is making him happy as well. Um, I don't know much about Rachel and Lee. I know I've seen some people talk about them online and, and they're, they're coming from amazing projects and award-winning projects. Um, which I truly appreciate. And like John, uh, John was just saying, I think we've always said that John Favreau is one of those people that just picks the right people. He knows who he needs to get the job done and to get it done better than he could have done. And I think that by creating a team of diverse, new, old experience, like coming from different points of view, makes a more interesting show. Because everybody gets to have their little stamp on each one of these little arcs. Um, But like John said, we saw Chapter 18 and Rachel did an awesome job. You guys are going to love it. Uh, That's all I can say about it. It's it's a great, great chapter to the Mandalorian. And I have no doubt that I would love to see her do more. Um, But yeah, I think this is great.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I looked up a lot of these people and sometimes it's tough to find like, like Peter Ramsey, for instance, like has a lot going on, but then like IMDB and other places don't list Mandalorian as an option. So I'm like, is this, is this the right person? Am I looking to the right person? And they're, they're all sort of like that. Rachel (laughs) Morrison specifically, um, doesn't have, um, like, oh, I see here. Okay. The Mandalorian one episode, there it is, but I was looking at her stuff, and I was like, "Where did she come from?" And she's done a lot of work with Ryan Coogler in, in um, specifically Fruitvale Station, a, but then eventually Black Panther. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Black Panther didn't come till after she worked on a movie called Dope, who was directed by Rick, Rick. Famuyiwa. Yeah, <laughs> and so I looked at this, and I'm like, "Okay, so she's mainly a cinematographer, but she has worked with Rick in the past." and has done a little bit of directing on her own, uh, as far as television goes. So I think the connection was actually not so much John Favreau in this case, but I think this is Rick working as his first years as an executive producer pulling in, uh, Rachel here because he knows that she has something special and brought her in. Um, um, as I know, what can you say about some of the other people? I mean, like you mentioned Lacey, um, uh peter Ramsey, like he is all over the place as far as uh the animated stuff that he's worked on (laughs) and the yeah and the live action stuff that he's worked on as well it's quite incredible these are all very good picks um uh like john said you know we've all seen the second episode rachel crushes it so there's to say that um the the only thing i think um to not talk about the people that we don't really know a whole lot about, I think the Rick Famuyiwa thing is interesting. Bookending uh, the series, which he specifically talked about, and we're kind of speculating where that might go as well. As far as if you watch Mando Fan Show, Lacy brought up the point of um, the pirates being someone that uh, would show up in the first episode and then also later in the at the end of the season, that's a very good point. Uh, so maybe look forward to that. And I think the kind of the wild card here is sort of the Bryce Dallas Howard episode. You got episode six. Um, if not Dave Filoni, she's the other one that sort of works, um, with the, the female centric episode. So I don't know if that again points to the episode six being
2: like, so related or mm-hmm. something. Cause I thought the same um, thing when I looked at this list the first time I was like, Oh, Dave Filoni's not on this list.
1: Dave Filoni's not on the list. John Favreau's not on the list. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's not really like what a... What do you think uh, that
2: means? Do you think that means they're just taking a step back? And this is, could be for John too. Do you guys think that they're taking a step back? Do you think they're focused on other projects? Because we know Filoni's been pulled into some movie talks.
0: Well, Filoni's directing a bunch of episodes on Ahsoka too. So he could have been doing mm-hmm. a lot of pre-production work on that. Sure. Um, and also he has that new uh, creative executive... Role right. for Luke's film, so he right. may be doing a lot of. And he was also, you know, I know it's rumored because the movie. Well, that's what I was, been,
2: I was mentioning the Damon Lindelof thing.
0: He was in the writers' room, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so crazy, by the way, that that thing is like doesn't officially exist yet.
2: It will in a month.
0: I know, but it's so funny <laughs> that we, talk, we we talk about it so much. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's why I don't know if James has a different thought on that, but I think it's just his plate was pretty full and he's got. He's directing. They say multiple episodes of Ahsoka on top of all that. So, I yeah, mean, Ahsoka's I think his baby. <laughs> yeah, I think that it really comes down to that.
1: Um, I also think, like, when as far as John and Dave go, is now they're also looking at Skeleton Crew, and they're also looking at yeah, that's a great mind-overse. potentially yeah. expanding out uh, beyond that. I mean, there was a period too where they were looking at Rangers of the New Republic, and there could be something coming up at celebration that's another part of this mandoverse that we don't know about yet right which is another reason where they're like we'd love to direct this episode but why don't we bring in um uh you know someone i've worked with in the past rachel morrison she can do episode two and then that'll give you guys time to focus on i I mean it is (laughs) whatever this other show is that we they just started working on that we don't know about yet or whatever
2: yeah you brought up a great point, James. It's very interesting to me, and we love Paul here. He's come on the show before. He's a great supporter. He's awesome. He wasn't at the other premieres, I don't think, for Mando season one or season two. He wasn't very included in any of that, except hey, who is in it, which of course is a great inclusion. But he was very much invited this season, and invited to the red carpet, and was interviewed, and all these other things. And I don't think he was. And he showed previously. up in the trailer. Yes, and I don't think he was in previous things. So that's why I'm sure these guys are too. I'm sitting here with my fingers crossed going, okay, let's rework this. Let's give Paul his own Star Wars show because we know that Kim sadly came to an end. So he's got some time now. Obviously, he's also doing Avatar. I don't want to downplay that either. But I'm sure his schedule will free up after Avatar to take on some Star Wars. And what better person to helm a Star Wars show than someone as big as a fan as Paul and talented. I don't want to downplay how talented he is, but it's just always cool to think here's a guy that goes to Comic-Cons and, you know, cosplays and builds his own stuff and collects toys and all this other stuff. And he's going to be the lead in a Star Wars show. I would love that for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to say quickly, if, if we looked at the episodes that he was in, and if they were, like, directed by the same person.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm
1: He wasn't 10, in the season passenger. One, right? Yeah, he was not. He, but he was in chapter 10, The Passenger, in season two, and chapter four, The Siege. And then he was also in Book of Boba Fett, which was... Um,
0: Chapter but five. I don't he think he was at man, those premieres. First of all, I
2: don't think Book of Boba Fett had a premiere. If I remember, I don't think it did because it was during like kind of COVID.
0: Yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't think so.
2: But season mm. one of The Mandalorian didn't really have a premiere either. Or season two, did it have a premiere? It kind of did. I think it had like a panel, but he wasn't there. So it's just interesting that all of a sudden he's there and he's in the forefront, and you know, Star Wars is putting up reels focused on him, which is awesome, and all this other stuff. And it just seems like they're pushing him rightfully so because he is a fan favorite character, but could it mean more is my question Good. based on what's, um, what James was just saying.
1: Well, the book of Bo- uh, So I was trying uh, trying to get to it. The book of Boba Fett episode that he was in was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard yep. and the Mandalorian episodes he was in was um, directed by uh, one was Carl Weathers and the other was Peyton Reed. Um, mm. So if you're looking at that, I don't see any connection to his appearance with any specific director, but two out of the three are, are directing episodes yeah. in this season. So yeah. possibly, you know, I don't make say. I get that. I, I don't I don't make those ties,
0: though. I'm not the trying reason to trarian, I but...
1: do probably is because of the um uh, Dave Filoni directs Ahsoka. So we all knew who was showing up in certain episodes and things. Oh, that,
0: that is, uh, that's his
1: character. Yeah, that's a little, and that's a little bit different, I understand. But I also,
0: like, Favreau's writing the season and he's like, all right, you know, and we need Carson Tava. He's gonna, he's gonna join this season in episode four or whatever. Like, a a side, a supporting character like that who probably only has a few scenes, he's not gonna be like, I gotta get Carl to direct this episode because Paul Sung Young Lee's in it you know, got to make sure he gets that right. I, I don't see that as a thing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The I, the reason I say that though, is just because sometimes there are, there are situations where you have a specific voice that you're trying to tell. So you pull in that director. I'm looking at like, maybe like a Marvel, for instance, like when, um, when other people were directing the Gal- Guardians, they brought in James Gunn to be like, can you help us with these scenes? Like, because you direct the guardians better than we would, you know, or whatever. Yeah. There's a specific voice you're going for. So maybe if it was like, Oh, this character, who's this um, type of a person or something like that, that's usually, we, we know that Rick would work well with that person or something. But anyway, it's all speculation at this point. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what we get out of these. I think every season we've had a good, um, New roll of the dice. Like every season we're like, oh, we don't know anything about Deborah Chow. Oh, we don't know anything about, you know, so and so and so and so. And and then we like see what they can do and we get excited about their future. The the good ones move forward and you know, and I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. Um, it's all in yeah, there. No doubt. Um, Lacey, you mentioned it quickly mm-hmm. earlier, but we we should also talk a little bit about how the Mandalorian are handling the uh loss of Gina Carano and the character of Cara Dune Um, we did get sort of the basic answer in Mandalorian season three episode one Uh, they addressed it very lightly but there have been other articles um, of people asking the questions before the the show came out Hey yep. guys, you know directors Dave Filoni, John Favreau, all these people. How are you handling this character? What does the character mean to the importance of the overall story? And we got all sorts of things, but probably most notably is this one that we're pulling from Deadline, um, where there's a, a few people that answered the question. Um, Rick and, probably and, is
2: the most kind of yeah, straightforward. Yeah, man, Filoni.
1: But to but to just like paraphrase the concept of like, yeah, Kara Dune is very important in the the scheme of like how we got mandalorian to where he is but the ultimate thing about this show is it's about mandalorian and grogu so every player is sort of interchangeable and if we focus on one storyline it's it's more acceptable to write out other characters i think is the, the i'm yeah they basically I'm said hey it's
2: not her story it's din in, and yeah. in grogu's story so yeah, yeah it sucks that she's not going to be in it and yes she's a part Of the story and plays an important role in their story, but it's still their story. Yeah. Um, I said this at them on the Mando Fan show. I strongly believe they handled it perfectly well. Like I I couldn't have thought of a better way for them to handle it. It was some people thought it was like a throwaway quote, which it might have been, but even then, the way that they were like, oh, no, there, we need a marshal because she's doing this. You know, she's with the special forces. It was very well done. That doesn't seem out of place. Um, I've said this before and I'll say it again. This whole scenario with Cara Dune is, is very sad in the sense that John Favreau has created these characters. And he believes in these characters because they're from his own mind and they're people that he's put into this story. So we all know that they had more plans for that character. And it's sad that, you know, the choices by one person is destroying that story in the sense of not that it's going to be any worse, but it's just changing it from what he originally intended. But hey, it might be better. As in The Force Awakens, Harrison Ford broke his ankle. They then made Ray and Finn more of a friendship. That they didn't originally have they rewrote that whole part to give them more screen time so that Harrison Ford could heal. So we saw the benefits of that. So that might also be happening here. But there is a little bit of a sadness in that you have to feel bad for John Favreau where he's like, I really liked this character. And I was one of the people that liked that character too that I was like, Oh, this is such a cool character. And the only person really losing is us the fans that we don't get that Mm -hmm. character anymore. But I think they handled it really well. I think they're handling it very well in this press circuit of, hey, at the end of the day, it's not her story. It's their story. And we're going to handle it the best way possible. And we're going to pivot basically and, and make it work. But she's not gone. She's still in the world. We just don't see her. And we all know that with Star Wars, it's a big, big galaxy. So there are tons of people and creatures and aliens and all this other stuff and droids that are all over the place at all times. And we don't see them. So she just kind of mm-hmm. falls into that bucket. So I think they, they did it really well.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it definitely is a smart idea to not just completely ignore the character and pretend kill that her. It, she never <laughs> happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts, John, on how, how it was handled and how they're kind of talking about the character in general?
0: I agree with Lacey that they handled it well. And I think the most important part of how they handled it was that they did it immediately Uh, squashes, all speculation destroys attempts at YouTube videos, speculating on what they're going to do. They were just like four minutes into this season, we're going to address it and we're going to do it swiftly. So I agree with Lacey that they handled it very well from that perspective. Very smart. I think this character is destined for the comics I don't think we're going to get a recast. I think that would be a horrible burden to put on whoever they recast. Cause there's a po- a big pocket of angry fans who support Gina Carano and they would unleash hell on that actor. And who is going to, who wants to take like, what's her name? Zena? Uh,
2: Lucy Lawless.
0: Lucy Lawless was like, a, it was like a rumor that she was a uh, fan casted. So then they didn't give her another role. Because yeah. She was fan- up for casted. a different role. Yeah. yeah. So wow. that gets messy. So I, I think that's off the table. I think they go on with comics. There's a lot of years to play with. They probably have rights from a certain perspective on her likeness. Go on with the comics. Fans who really hate her won't be upset by that because she's not going to be making any money off that. Um, so I think that's where that character is going to live if they decide to do that. I've always um, wondered
2: then- who that other role would be. I wonder if it was like Cosca Reeves or something
0: yeah who yeah who knows? I mean, maybe it's even for something that hasn't come out yet, but yeah um the other thing, you know the, and there's a lot of nuance to this whole situation because if you if you get if you get yourself out of the bubble, zoom out like I like to say, and look at like real life like we all have family and friends, and they say like stupid things and but they're still our friends, and we still like them, and that sort of thing if we're all being real. If you're paying attention to social media, especially like Instagram, you see, you know, a lot of people involved with The Mandalorian still follow, and people at Lucasfilm still follow Gina Carano on social media. They like her posts, uh, her normal posts. Um, you know, I think it's a hard thing for fans who just experience that part of it and like, which, which I, she said such stupid things and she, she like dug her heels in the sand and was stubborn and made it worse for herself. And then it got to a point where it was, you couldn't come back from it. So the character isn't that valuable. I think it was a fine character. She's not the best actor in the world. It was not worth it for Disney at all to like save her and keep her around. She was very expendable from that perspective. So my, from everything that I'm seeing connecting the dots, this is was a Disney decision that was made. I Favreau made the role for her. It was probably very, very difficult and hard for him. I'm sure he still likes her from a certain perspective. I I don't want to speculate too much on how people feel about people um, in real life. Um, But it seems like a lot of the cast didn't like her. And I believe even Paul Sung Young Lee told us like, you know, he touched on it a bit on our episode. I'll have to look back to see exactly what he said. But I, I just think that, you know, the juice is not worth the squeeze with, with the character overall. I think they'll, if anything, do it in a comic, and you know, uh, and I know fans, uh, rightfully so, you know, were really on after her, and she's the type of person. She's an MMA fighter. She's gonna punch back, and she punched back on that stuff. And she probably could have, at the beginning, stepped back and said, "I'm really sorry. That was so stupid of me to say that. I do don't believe in these vaccines, but you know, to each their own." Like I work with people who haven't been vaccinated. It doesn't have to be that big of a thing. But she like went too hard with it, and I'm sure like it still hurts a lot of the cast and crew because they probably liked her as a person. Um, I think Bill
2: Burr has even come out and said like, "Hey, she was nice to me. I was." I I think yeah, I think everyone
0: really enjoyed their experience with her, and I think it was just like two separate things. But like fans have a hard time separating that stuff. And this isn't me. I'm trying to be careful here. This isn't me defending anything she said. Defending her, yeah. Yeah. Everything she said was completely stupid and ridiculous, and she shouldn't have handled it the way she did by going harder. Uh, abhorrent a lot of the things she said but there is you know the human side of this stuff that people don't really understand and these people have probably spent a lot of time together and you see the photos on set of like Bryce and her and like Favreau talking about her and how he he like got put her ha- his hands on her shoulders and said like I believe in you and stuff there's probably a lot of real human stuff there
2: there's a lot of and hurt it, there yeah. It,
0: yeah it's just a shame it's a shame and it's a lot of it's obviously her fault it's just one of those things mm-hmm. that I think at best, we're going to see that character in a comic and that that'll be it.
1: I'm right. I'm interested to, to uh, on that concept, John. You said that Disney probably has rights to her likeness or Lucasfilm or whoever. And um, I'm I wonder, I don't know the details of that stuff, like how that stuff works. Like, yes, is it is it that they have the right
0: to use it if they want to use it? But if they I, use it, they would still have to pay her. I think it's a, it's a I, I love to find out more on this, and I'm, I probably should yeah. research this because this is important for a lot of things. Because like you think about the, the these Padme books that come out as Natalie Portman's face all over it. With did, right. did she sign a deal w- with George Lucas at the beginning that said you can use Lucasfilm can use my face for things like? Carrie Fisher made the the joke about it that George Lucas kept making money off her face, including like a shampoo bottle where people would pop her head off. You know, and it's just <laughs> yeah. like I, I think it's part of contract because. But and, it might be a case like funny case because
1: big. she doesn't yeah. make money off of that because no. if she did, she would be like,
0: yeah, dude. Use yeah, it exactly. Carrie Fisher was like it. made a joke at the tribute uh, at the AFI so thing George Lucas that he makes money off her face. So if Carrie Fisher wasn't making money, Gina Carano's not making money. So it's just a matter of whether or not uh, that was, you know, was contracted. But The other like piece of that, is.
2: too, is they literally took everything that had her face on it off the market. Like, yeah. all toys, everything yeah. got pulled. Because I remember when all of that information happened, specifically the week that she was terminated and they put out that statement from Lucasfilm, every single toy was gone from catalogs, from Do online. Do now make toys? No.
1: No, okay. I just didn't know if because John, you were like a comic book, and I'm like, I don't think they're even stepping back into it at all. Like, how much time would have to pass before I'm just they go? Like, if they Mental do, Giant, yeah. like you
2: know, Caribbean I don't figure. think they're ever gonna touch yeah. that because I don't either. Based on the fact that Hasbro pulled every single thing, and on on eBay, all that stuff shot up in price immediately. Yeah.
1: Well, if that's the case, then Marvel's not gonna touch it either, or Dark Horse, <clears throat> you know.
2: Yeah, nothing. No one's gonna touch that character. I think that character's been put into a file and put into a filing cabinet and put into a box and then rolled into a big warehouse like Indiana Jones and the.
1: (laughs) Other than probably (laughs) mentioning the character, like I think like a book could mention the character Cara Dune, but if it has her face or likeness attached in any way then it it probably is probably they might
2: mention her i don't think they're ever going to show her
1: that's what i'm saying like obviously the mandalorian season three mentions her right away you know Mm -hmm. but it's like i i think that it's okay to say the character's name in context of something but i think as soon as you start selling a product that is like based around this character then they might end up i mean it's not that it's a problem it's like they could totally do it The, the thing is just they just would rather not (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah it's like it's, if john you said it perfectly juice is not worth the squeeze and i think yeah. they're just like you know just we don't necessarily need to do this like if it, hey, if it was
0: like a... if it was like meryl streep and she had like a major role and she said stupid things they'd be like pr machine let's fix this but it's yeah. it's a it's gina carano like disney's like get her. what happened don't renew her get rid of her mm-hmm.
2: she'll not only do they get rid of her then she joined kind of a very political heavy media situation which disney's oh, definitely yeah. shy away yeah. from disney oh. is not for any strong stance is, with anything really mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um can i take a stab at who i think um lucy lawless was up for yeah oh, oh i'd yeah. love
2: to yeah, yeah go for it
1: uh garza Fwip, the cantina owner in book of boba fett oh that's interesting
2: oh yes that is a perfect fit for her yeah and
1: then they couldn't get her so they ended up changing it over to jessica biel Biel's.
2: who was wonderful as well yeah
1: yeah i just I, I don't know it was a thought i was trying jennifer to think jennifer who would biel. i cast Je- jennifer Je- what did i say jessica biel is that someone yeah. different
2: you always say that you always say I I have.
0: remember I told you I have that
2: because I don't know I don't know know this
1: conversation I I don't know this girl
0: I had Will Forte and Will Arnett I can always mix those guys up (laughs) it's just people have sometimes it's hard it's like
2: I think during Book of Boba Fett James you kept saying Jessica uh, Jessica Biel and we were like you mean probably
0: (laughs) summer catch
2: yep because John kept saying summer catch yes particularly that
1: yeah. I haven't even heard of that movie, let alone. Kane and Jaris, oh, is in it, bro. Wait. Oh, okay. I was going to say it's Jimmy Fallon in that. <laughs>
0: That's Fever <Bieber laughs> pitch.
1: Oh, that might be what I'm thinking of. Anyway, <laughs> um, guys, let's talk uh, uh, about some more directors. Um, Wrapping out Resistance Report this week. Our last story is going to be about how the Acolyte show has snagged Netflix's Daredevil director. Now, um They've gone, they've done a lot of work outside of Daredevil. That's probably the most notable um one. But um uh Alex Garcia Lopez um is the person that's coming to the acolyte. Um now a couple other things I should mention um is uh they worked on Blindsided and Karen. And Cowboy Bebop, and Cloak and Dagger, Luke Cage, The Punisher.
2: They worked on um, Karen, the episode from Daredevil.
1: Oh right, yes, <laughs> and Blind, yeah.
2: This director,
1: yes. The 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 two episodes that they did, and then but what I was going to say about this though is I didn't watch Daredevil, and that obviously had great uh, critical reception and fan mm-hmm. reception, mm-hmm. Uh, along with Punisher, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, A couple other ones, though, here. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, not so much. Luke Cage, not so much. Luke Cage was great. You thought it was great? I thought Mm -hmm. people really did not like that.
2: I loved it. I thought it was great.
1: Or am I thinking, I'm thinking of Sean, no, the other one, the other Netflix show that people didn't like, Iron Fist.
2: That Iron one Fist people didn't like, League and Defenders right. people didn't like. The Punisher okay, people right, loved. Luke Cage people loved. Cloak and Dagger people loved. That wasn't on Netflix. Okay, so of, was on of, the, those,
1: of those like, groups um free alex worked on a lot of the good ones yes <laughs> put it that yes way. Yeah. yes okay and Witcher's i don't know about well. Dagger. i don't know if that was well received or not um, oh yeah the it was, was it was yeah, on so. free form it's, it's, it's okay good. so mostly positive alright let's let's jump yes. over to you john um what do you think about this announcement do you think the acolyte is has another pair of good hands on the show
0: so the, the this again um Reminds me of the Mandalorian conversation about the directors. Um, I mean, that we just have, but also we've been having for a long time now, is that, you know, I think it goes showrunner and then trickles down from there. Like, when you think of Andor and you have, like, Tony Gilroy running the show, you're like, that's tight. That's a, going to be a tight ship. It's not going to be messing around. They're going to execute well. Favreau with the Mandalorian, same thing. I think with Leslie Hedlund, like you know, you have someone who knows exactly what they want to do. She's been a successful showrunner already with Russian doll. Um, so I think it starts there. And then if you trust that person as a showrunner, then you'll likely trust their choices for director. Um, the Acolyte is such a fascinating project to me because it's really that one that's sort of laying in the weeds and they're filming it now. And it's there's so many other things that people are talking about that I feel like it's this years version of andor when andor wasn't really being talked about a lot too um now i you know i know andor wasn't you know the most watched or anything but like critically praised audiences praised all that stuff i feel like the accolade is on that path it's sort of like laying in the weeds a bit and uh i you know out of these shows that um alex garcia lopez worked on i i really like the punisher a lot and what's what's important about that is they've tried to the punish her so many times in live action. Yes, three different iterations of movies. Dolph Lundgren, Thomas Jane, and then um, the guy who's actually going to play an admiral in Ahsoka. What's Ray Is Stevenson. it Thomas
2: Jane or Thomas Kane? Thomas why Jane. Am I, why am I thinking Thomas Kane?
0: <laughs> um, so, so three iterations, and they, they, none of them Citizen were all that Jane. good. Yeah. So the fact that they did it with John Bernthal on a TV show, and they made it, it was great. Says a lot because the Punisher has failed miserably many times in live action. And it's a very successful, like, popular Marvel character, so that's a great sign. As it is, I really did enjoy the, especially the first season of the Punisher. Um, so I'm excited to see you know what they bring to the table uh, between Leslie Headland and uh, all the directors. You know, and, and if if there's one project that somebody I like, there's a lot of times these people. Bryce Dallas Howard never directed anything. She shows up and right. knocks the Mandalorian out of the park. I know she has the familial ties and probably a lot of coaching from her father and stuff. Just also just natural talent, I'm natural sure. talent. Yeah. Right. And, and if you're someone who already has a successful resume, you guys just like, we just fired off all these shows that uh, Alex worked on. Uh, that, that This is like one of the least of my concerns. So I'm excited to see what, uh, what uh, he does with star Wars. So cool. And then there was another director that, that another source was saying was hired too i believe part of the story
2: i i didn't see anything yeah
0: koganada um uh after doing after yang i guess koganada is another person they're saying is going to be a director on the acolyte so that's the second one that they have in this story from a different source i guess
2: nice it's really a sentence (laughs) That's why I miss It's like a sentence in this article and that everything else is about Alex Garcia think So there's a
0: guy, what's his name? Daniel Richman. He's like a big like leaker guy or scoop guy. And he's reporting that uh he did it on his Patreon or whatever and it got around. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Koganada is a South Korean director and Mm -hmm. he's uh, you know, done a bunch of stuff too, and they're reporting that he's involved. So I don't know how Is many directors are going to have, but I, I assume Leslie Headland. did they confirm she's directing like the pilot or something? I'm guessing. That's what I she did know. for Russian Doll, I think. But anyway, I, I, the Acolyte just very interesting to me. You know, it, I, especially the dark side aspect of it, we don't know much about it. Uh, I'm very intrigued to learn more about it, which might be a celebration.
1: Yeah, Maybe we get a I, re- for the I really hope. Filming, get more it should be
0: finishing filming soon. Maybe we get a little sizzle or a, a brief teaser
2: i hope so i
1: think so
0: lacy what what are your thoughts uh anything to
1: add to the director edition news
2: yeah i i first of all as always anytime something gets announced as a something in production we're excited we're ready to go because yeah. that means one more thing is That's happening. True um that being said like we discussed earlier i've seen a lot of his stuff i've watched a bunch of the witcher i watched luke cage punisher is something actually uh matt recently got into in the past year and he loves this version of the punisher um Mm. and i've seen a lot of the episodes too and they're very very good a little too violent for me but but very good (laughs) uh just the way that they're shot alone is just like the different viewpoints and they like get these beautiful shots um, and just very creative. And those are things that I'm sure you guys know, listeners and whatnot, that I appreciate probably more than others. I would say it's just like when something is done from a different viewpoint than the normal thing. Um, I just find that uh, anytime I see something done differently, I immediately go, How is that done? Like, how did they get this shot? And I'm the person that will literally sit there being like, Look at this shot. How did they get this? Because um, it's just so interesting to me about how someone can take something and make it mean so much more, and make you connect with the story just from a different point of view of where the camera is or the movement of the camera. Um, so I think directors and cinematographers, but definitely directors too, make all the difference in getting those shots and really deciding where we're going to, where they're going to focus the action, and where things are going to be. Where the camera is going to kind of focus within the scene. Um, so I'm all for it. If he's done a lot of these Marvel shows like Luke Cage, Punisher, Daredevil, you got to imagine he's good at fight scenes. He's good oh, at yeah. fight scenes. He's oh, good yeah. at action. True. So I would imagine he's coming in as a specialist on that. Like, if we're expecting to get some Sith bad guys, like, really kicking butt and having these awesome fight scenes, which we would expect from the people that are in there, you know, you've got the girl from from Logan, you've got Amandla, who's done Hunger Games and other stuff, too, you've got the guy mm-hmm. from Squid Games, like, you should expect these people to be ready to do stunt work and fight scenes. So this guy's coming in as an expert where Leslie Headland, not to say that she's not an expert, but maybe she doesn't know it as well as someone like him
0: who's mm-hmm. been
2: on multiple Marvel comic book superhero shoots. I mean, that's who you bring in. You're like, I need someone that's going to get this the best. Like some of the best fights I've ever seen recently have been daredevil like that hallway scene where he fights down the hallway and it kind of reminds me of um the mandalorian honestly episode six where he's on that spaceship and the the lights flashing which kind of gave us like batman Mm -hmm. vibes daredevil had one of the best scenes where the camera moves with him as he goes down this hallway and he's taking guy out out like one by one it's the lights were flickering yeah it's so well done and that comes down to camera work now i don't know if that's what alex garcia lopez did i don't I'm, I'm assuming not because I was pretty early on in Daredevil, but that's not something that just ends with one episode that translates throughout the series. So even if he didn't know how to do it to begin with, he might have learned those things as he went through these series. And Punisher is definitely a fight scene heavy <laughs> show. Like yeah. every scene oh, the guy yeah. gets into fist fights and all this other stuff. And especially with Punisher and Daredevil, I'd say more than Luke Cage, just because of who the main characters are. Luke Cage is... Obviously, like, very strong, very, like, you can't hurt him. (laughs) You could shoot bullets at him and he's fine. Whereas, Whereas Daredevil and Punisher, like, they take some nasty hits. Like, the camera gets in their face and they're bleeding and sweating and breathing. And, like, you're really in the fight with them. So I would assume that if we're taking kind of those vibes and those energies from those series and bringing them into star Wars. And if you're talking about training the Sith and like the Sith going in and getting dirty and like doing crazy things to like take over, you're probably going to see some really nasty fights. And I don't think Leslie Headland's going to hold back either. She wants to get right in there and get into the dirty side of the Sith because there has to be a reason that they took over. You know, there has to be a reason that they were able to infiltrate these things and the only way you're going to do that is if you play dirty. So I'm pumped about this choice. I think he's going to do a great job and I'm excited to see how it translates into this show because from this resume alone, it seems like the acolytes going to have the most action we've ever seen.
1: Oh, wow. least crazy um, fight scenes. I did yeah. look up, uh, the hallway scene is episode two. So he did not work on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, it, it is interesting how much action you're bringing to this because sometimes when I think about The Acolyte, I think more of a... Um,
2: lore base probably.
1: No, well, yeah, sort of. I, I don't know how to say this without saying this because I, I'm looking at the Leslie Headland Russian doll and how she has this whole thing about time manipulation. So the only comparison right. there is World Between Worlds.
2: Oh, um, yeah. which,
1: I don't want to get into that, but <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, what's the line from Poe where it's like, dark science, uh, magic, secrets only. That's that Beaumont, kin. That's
0: Beaumont, kin. Oh, yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um,
2: only secrets to Sith knew. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> dark science. Cl- cloning dark science. Yeah. Secrets Let's only. Do some
0: hold maneuvers. Do some real damage.
1: <laughs> yeah. But th- that's what I think of. I think like, them being able to say that's what the show would be more about. It'd be like these dark sciences and, and, you know, these things that were going on uh, that were part of the dark side and magic. And, and they weren't more like like mystical manipulative time. Yeah. They were sort of like just moving in the shadows at this time. So I don't know. Right. Um, but I'm just saying, you have, and well. yeah, you have absolutely. Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, yeah, Carrie Ann Moss
2: is on the crew. I oh, forgot she's in this. You're not going to yeah. do fight scenes with her. Like, come on, yeah. she's the queen yeah, of She Should scenes. have it. All
1: right, guys. Well, let's let's wrap this up. Um, some good stuff talking about um, the future of Star Wars TV. Mostly today, um, we're going to move into our next section here, which is going to be Will of the Force.
0: I fear nothing for all this, as the Force wills it. Alrighty, righty uh Lacey, do you want to do this or do you want me to do it
2: i highlighted the notes i think you should do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> all, right. <laughs> uh, all right here's the deal will the force you know how it goes by now or if you're new basically we have questions some come from us some come from our patrons and we decide will it happen will it not happen and we give our answers on that and uh we got a few here For us and you to answer and of course if you want to be part of the show and submit one of these topics to the show join our patreon patreon.com slash resistance broadcast get your questions submitted we always lacy puts a post up submit your will of the force topics with a big gif of him way and you guys send your questions we pick them we put them on the show and you become a part of it now this first one comes from us to you and us uh will mando and grogu establish a permanent home on Mandalore. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be in season three. Just tossing it out there. So uh, I'm going to start with Lacey on this one.
2: I I think yes. I think he's going to make Mandalore a proper place to live at, by the end of this series. Um, but at the same time, while I'm saying this out loud, I might change my mind. Because I'm thinking like, oh, they could go live there. But then I'm thinking like, you know, a panning shot of a beautiful location where he's living with all the Mandalorians. And I'm like, okay, but that could be anywhere. It doesn't have to be that that planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's just going to live somewhere else. Maybe Bo-Katan's planet.
0: Oh, okay. So in the same system just Mm -hmm. uh not somewhere else mandalore itself yeah um interesting 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 all right james how about you where are you at with this
1: well, the first thing is, L- Lacey, you bring up that age old point that I've always made, which is like the question comes down to, is it this one place or literally anywhere else, mm-hmm. including the imagination of planets that are places that has never existed mm-hmm. and that doesn't exist yet that our right. creators haven't shown us yet? So I got to go with no. Um, but part of the reason is, and, and I'm glad we're talking about this because this is something I forgot to bring up when we did Mando Fancho. So this is Mando Fancho. Show- whoa whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. (laughs) that's gonna confuse fans when they pick up mando fan show (laughs) exactly um
1: the thing here is that i don't understand what is going on with this whole water thing because number one the armor has they've set up multiple areas they seem like they have this current like cave right they're bathing this new uh person you know he's becoming a mandalorian by taking this oath in the water but she's very strict on din that he has to go all the way to this other one to to replenish himself and i if i were him i'm like i don't understand like why are you making me go to this like poisoned dead planet to to redeem myself <laughs> poisoned you're
2: ravaged
1: like, yeah <laughs> whatever you're baptizing the kid in the pond in the front yard like just like why why is it why it shouldn't any mandalorian have to be done in the like holy waters why like why is it such a big deal does it i mean i don't know well,
2: this I, is, is, that's actually is for, a great question his that's is actually for atonement. a really solid question james
0: what his is for atonement and redemption that kid is just being initiated I know that kid did I, no wrong man uh dinjarin did
1: but i'm but the way i'm just looking at it is being like it's sort of like replenishment or like right. re baptized into the faith or something like that. And I'm like, why can't why can't you just have to go through that process again? Why does it have to be in this specific spot when everybody else goes through the same entry into this religion or cult, but they can do it in just any water that happens to be around, you know, or or sanctified for the time being. I don't know.
2: Honestly, I think she just wants them to go away. So she's saying, hey, if you go do this, You know what I mean? Like, hey, if you go do this, we'll let you back in. He's like, okay, I'm going to go do that. And she's like, he's never going to do that. And then he actually went and did it.
1: She like picks up the book. She's like, you must bring 33 MMs (laughs) and and a copy of the code signed by the (laughs) Like like how many times
2: have you heard of that where someone's like, oh, or like someone that's bidding on a job for your house and like they don't jive well with you. They'll be like, oh yeah, this job's going to be $20,000. And you're like, there's no way that's realistic, but they know you're not going to go for it. So they're Um
0: an easy out yeah so so james you're no right
1: i'm a no on that yep what do you think that
0: that is you're right that we should like i wish we talked about this too on the mando fan show because now that i think about it when he was showing her that thing with the slate with the like this translates or whatever she almost responded as if she had no idea what it was so because she just goes after a long pause this is the way
2: I think she's just making stuff up as she goes. Which do you blame her? So,
0: like the Lacey part meant this, but like maybe she was like sending him to go die or what. But that's how I felt. Can you imagine he
2: comes back after all of that? You know, if he ever gets there, he comes back, and they all have their helmets off.
0: I know, I know, (laughs) and then. Yeah, and then uh, Bocatan. He like walks like... into the room, and everybody's like, <laughs> like up yeah. their books, like on. It's like Lego Batman when he shows up to that Justice League party. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then, but yeah, bo-katan was like goodbye, Dinjarin. As and that to me, the heart tone was like he's gonna die. I'm never gonna see him again. So. I feel like they, he, was, he was getting sent to his death from every faction. Um, yeah. my, my answer... Here's where I'm having a hard time with this question is because like the Mandalorians were nowhere to be found in the sequel trilogy. And you got to think if they restore the whole planet and like restore their race or society, whatever you want to call it, that they would be around a, at some point. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I'm going to say no also. Um, I'd like to think that they're going to sort of carve their own path in the end though they are really setting him up to be this like chosen one for the Mandalorians like he's like the Anakin of Mandalore so I I, I don't know I'm still saying no because of the odds thing James you know but
1: yeah to be fair I was gonna say Force Awakens and Last Jedi happened in like a day and then they may have shown up at the end of Rise of Skywalker and we just don't really know
0: yeah, yeah. Some people thought they saw like a razor crest, but it's like, well, that doesn't work either.
1: Well, but, but I'm, but I'm just saying, like, no, there's I agree. So many ships, it could have been yeah. like so many of those other ones. Lando and Chewie just cruise
0: by Mandalore with like a big sign, like they do over the beach. It says like, "Come yeah. join the fight against the Final Order." <laughs> um. All right, next one it comes from Patreon. This is Major Colton Bliss. What is up? Thank you for this. Uh, and Colton said, "Will Ezra a speak with?" The- Force ghost kanan in Ahsoka or another live action show in the future. Uh James, Whoa, we're gonna kick, oh, snap. We're gonna fire, what a good question. Fire this off to you. Now we know we heard Kanan uh in the Rise of Skywalker, so he has some sort of realm abilities. So what do you think?
1: I have not thought of this, but yes.
0: <laughs> in Ahsoka or somewhere else?
1: In Ahsoka. I mean, unless, no. unless Ezra, I, I, I don't know the context of how important Ezra is going to be because you, we have to think like, oh, they're all going to be equally important. It's like, no, it's Ahsoka show. It's going to be about Ahsoka. He's going to be one of the characters that plays a role, but it's like, it's, so I don't know about future events. If they do like multiple shows, Sabine and Ezra show, like after that or whatever. Okay. But to me, I think this is an absolute lock. This is, this is this character and his master, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Obviously capable of doing voice work, wanting to do voice work. I mean, it just so much of that makes so much sense. I, I don't think we would get a force ghost in person, but I think like him talking to him, like Obi-Wan style could be very possible. When I say Obi One style, sorry, I mean like, like run, Luke, like that voice. So you just style. hear the voice? Yes, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm. I'm picturing that him having him, you know, doing the the fire meditative, and he hears the voice, and he has the conversation, but it's he's not there like physically. So no glowy. Because they don't want to have to either. cast Can- Kanan, but you, but to hear him would be amazing.
2: And you could nope. still use Freddy Prince.
0: Yes. Yeah, no Canaan sitting on a log is what you're trying to tell me. No. Okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna jump in quick and just say, yeah, I agree. I think this is a lock as well. Um, and Lacy, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Boom. and We all thinking it'll, I mean. it'll be it'll be Freddie, or you think they're gonna do a recast?
2: I think it'll be Freddy, but voice. You can't have Hera in that too without him talking. The,
1: to her yeah. The the tricky I, I, like. John, are you saying he would show up as a force ghost? Because then you then we're talking about casting and recasting I and didn't, all this
0: other stuff. So yeah, when I read his question, I he wrote Force Ghost, so I thought manifestation, physical manifestation, but I didn't even think of the just voice element. So I I like your idea better actually. So so a- ask great us question again, by colton i'm not saying his question is not great <laughs> ask
1: is. us again next week will the force ghost apparition be just a voice or a casting and if so who would you cast
0: yeah well, it be a free roaming uh apparition or whatever they say in ghostbusters um yeah.
1: it's everything but his face
0: that's <laughs> <Yes>. it yeah <laughs> yeah was that was that movie with the dad how uh, the pixar movie where it's just like oh, his head's um... not there Onward, Onward.
2: yeah, yeah, Chris Pratt. That movie was terrible. I hated that movie. No, I was gonna gonna say,
1: very underrated movie, very good movie. Um, Um, sad,
0: but um, all right, very
1: sad. I cry every time at the end of that.
0: All right, Giloran, here's the deal this next Mm. one will Grogu kill anyone in the Mandalorian season three?
2: Yes, but it will be in defense of someone else. It won't be like cold blood.
0: Like the Jedi way. Hmm.
2: Sure. No, get... It will be oh. like, oh, if someone's attacking the Mandalorian, he'll step in.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. Cool. Cool. James, how about you?
2: Um
1: I say no. I think they want this creature, this character to be uh the embodiment of the right way to do things and i know they've they've toyed kind of with the idea of like you know she he was choking cara dune when they were doing the the arm fight and stuff but i think i think that they they were showing that that he doesn't know any better and the smarter grogu gets which he very clearly is or is going to be in true he does love
2: stuff more
1: i think i think they want this character to be a good character. They don't want to, like, toy with dark side stuff with him. So I'm I'm saying saying
2: more of, like, not necessarily aggressive. No, but I'm saying, like, not even aggressive. I'm saying more, like, I don't know, in circumstance, I I guess. I'm saying...
1: That's legitimate you're, completely. you're putting you're putting grogu in the superman man of steel moment where for the greater good i've never he seen has it to do sure. the thi- okay yeah but anybody who know, who has seen it knows what i'm talking about and it's it's controversial because he does the right thing but he has to do the wrong thing to do the right thing and it, uh it's it's tough and i just don't think they want that with grogu they they would focus on dinjar and making that type of decision yeah john you have seen man of steel where do you stand
0: on that part. I, I, no, I, right, I just uh-huh. about this. Um that well I mean Yoda brutally killed fools. So <laughs> that is a good point. He threw just, his lightsaber through someone's chest and then ripped yeah, it out. Yeah,
1: you just crushed my point.
0: Um but that's Yoda, you know, and maybe yeah. maybe Yoda had to learn a few things, or maybe that was that out of desperation because of the situation. But what with Grogu Greer. I, I'm saying no with Grogu also because of the parallel between and I, I mistakenly said Mythosaur. It was the Mudhorn. Mm-hmm. He, he violently entered that situation to help Din kill it. And then with the Rancor, he lulled it to sleep. And he's, he's learning the way of the Jedi, which he, now we learned he spent a year with Luke. And we know that uh, Yoda always said a Jedi um, uses their powers for knowledge and defense and never attack. So to Lacey's point, it could be uh, in defense. That could happen. But I, I'm leaning towards he's not going to kill anybody. And I also think it might be also because he is still looked at as a baby. And I think kids won't be able to come to terms with him killing people yet.
2: Oh, I showed my daughter the scene of Grogu with the Anselans. And the moment ah. Grogu was on screen, she had the biggest smile on her That's face. Great.
0: That's great. And cool. then as
2: soon as the Anselans started talking, she started laughing because <laughs> she thought whatever they were saying was funny and then continued to have a big smile on her face. And then as soon as it like cut away, she was out of the room. She was that's like, bad. I'm up. I'm
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good yeah. attention span, though.
2: But it shows you that John Favreau and Dave Filoni, they know what they're doing. These aren't just for adults.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. No doubt. Um, all right. Next and last question of the night, day, morning. Patreon submission. A new major, Big Dave. The biggest Dave we have in the Resistance, <laughs> uh, Dave. I want to thank you for joining us and thanks for this question. Um, love it. Will season two of Andor feature any of Jin, Galen, Krennic, or Tarkin? And Dave said that he said yes to at least one, but he didn't say which one. So Dave, you gotta let us know which sneaky, one. Sneaky. Yeah. Uh, we are starting this one with James.
1: Uh, I'm gonna say no. But I, I, cause to me, I think that Andor's story is about him before he got to that point in his life. And that point in his life is when Jin and Galen and Krennic and Tarkin became they not Tarkin, but specifically Jin, Galen and Krennic were on the radar now of like the rebellion needs to start turning their eyes towards these people. Um, Tarkin is the only one that I think is like, that's tough. Cause that's a character who's in power all the way from episode three to episode four, uh, like right, 20 yeah. years. Um, but I, I still say no on that character because I think that was supposed to be a big technical feat that they, I don't, I don't know that they want to go back to and explore that again. And he doesn't necessarily have to be an Andor's story um, because he was in Rogue One, which involved the Death Star and all that. And I, I think they want to tell a different story with Andor leading up to the, that point when Rogue One starts. And all of those people now become on the radar of the rebellion because of the new weapon that is at play. So I'm going to say no on all four of those. All right.
0: I like uh, your logic behind your answers. Um, Lacey, what do you think? Any of these four showing up? Jin, Urso, Galen, Urso, Krennic, or Tarkin in Andor season two?
2: I don't think Jin or Galen. I think Krennic and Tarkin. Both. I think we. Okay. Yeah, I think we saw, obviously, the Death Star being built by the pieces made in that prison. I oh, think there's goodness. a there is a reason they're doing that, and I think uh Gilroy wants some. Wants to bring in some Tarkin and some Krennic, and they already have the files of Tarkin, so I just yeah. use them.
0: The files copy, drag paste. it over, paste. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, reanimate. I'm going just Krennic. Um, and my rundown is it makes zero sense for Jin to be in Andor story at this point because
2: they meet there. They yeah
0: and, and yeah. For, for her to just like be in it and not meet him it just it would just be like fan service or something i don't know
2: i guess the question is saw right people would be like oh well, will she'll be will she be son- seen when he goes to see saw guerrera
0: yeah i mean it's possible um galen no because i feel like his work was done and he's probably already farming at this point mm.
1: um i also th- just a side note to that Lacey. i think Jin's already gone at this point
2: that's fair i'm just saying what people probably think
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think yep. continuity-wise, I think Jin has already left um, or was abandoned, you know, however you want to look at that situation, by the point mm-hmm. Andor has already started, even in season one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think she was on the run for like five years and this is four years prior. Um, Tarkin, I think the CG budgets might be too much and it's not worth doing it for just a cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Krennic, I do think will be in the show because I think of Liam Neeson returning for Obi Wan. It, it would be it would make sense for Krennic to be in the mix and maybe um, go toe to toe with uh, Deidre or something like that. So I I, I think I, and I think he has said that he would be interested in playing the character again, and this would be the one spot he could actually do it. And Ben Mendelssohn is a killer actor. And I think Tony Gilroy would love to have him. And he said something about familiar faces returning in this season. So I, I think Krennic's the, the only one for me. But I, lo- I thought you both had really logical answers for your reasoning, too. So we'll see. But Dave, we got to know. Big Dave, we got to know, man. Big Which Dave. one did you think? Let us know. Great
2: question, Dave. Awesome question.
0: For, yeah. And for all these questions, everybody let us know in the comments or Twitter or what have you uh, across social media, TRB podcasts. What do you think uh, about all these questions? Give us your answers on those and let us know what you think of our answers. But that's it, folks. That's the end of the show. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening, watching, being a part of TRB. However you found us, Uh, we're glad you're here. We're very excited. Uh, This year is just getting rolling and we're so pumped uh, to what we have going on and what Star Wars has going on. So make sure you do subscribe to our show on all platforms. Um, You can uh, find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and uh my movie podcast just like the movies uh we're putting out an episode on the original scream tomorrow because screen six is hitting theaters thursday night i believe so let's go back to the og and talk about one of my favorite movies uh from when i was coming of age uh Lacey, how about you
2: people can find me on twitter and instagram at Lacey Gillerin and on tiktok at it's Lacey Gillarin.
0: very nice james um twitter and instagram
1: at myra trunks where you can find me all right and on the bad batch reaction
0: show every week on wednesday that's right that's right you're doing a killer job there man um and that's another reason to subscribe to the channel like we said at the top uh wednesday night we'll be back so just two days from now if you're listening to this on a monday uh the mando fan show 8 30 east discussing chapter 18 directed by rachel morrison Uh, of the mandalorian season three and we're going to be joined by our first guest of the season kevin from toying around uh so we are so pumped and you're going to get your second number in the mando code we're gonna have a great time wednesday night so we hope you enjoyed this episode we hope you join us for the mando fan show uh and enjoy the beginning of your week and we'll see you next time right here on the resistance broadcast see you around kids